0: Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four year age, double pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry, and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick, respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Matty Gladden Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year aged bourbon is double pot distilled and non-chill filtered and has a full-bodied mouthfeel with eucalyptus, molasses, clove, ginger, and slight citrus as well as grains of paradise. The finish is long and reappearing on the back of the tongue with notes of pepper, tobacco leaf, and mint cream. All of our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick, respect the grain, please enjoy responsibly and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Oh, show me the way to the next whiskey bar Oh, don't ask why I tell you, we must die.
2: All right. Welcome back to another podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. That was little Stevo uh, singing the Alabama song. And tonight we have a very, very special podcast. We have Lisa Roper Wicker of Widow Jane Distillery, all right. all right. I am Tiny. This is Xavier. We got that right, right?
3: I think so. Right. Greetings everyone. We are happy. You're not gonna get...
2: Alright.
3: So, I wasn't sure if you're gonna let me talk, that's all. I a... talk away. No, I don't have anything to say. Yeah, I figured that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> hey, fuck
3: you.
2: <laughs> so so uh, uh. just uh we've been having a little bit of uh YouTube fun right before right. this. Right, oh my yes, goodness, yes. 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 It looks like we've got a lot of history there. But tonight, what we got is we've got a shit ton of bourbon in front of us, and we have the person who blended it and made it in all different cases, and she rolled
3: it and pat it and marked it with a B, and
2: and and hopefully she'll set us completely straight. But also, uh, we have a bottle of the Widow Jane. Decadence, which I'm excited about. Uh, I don't know now. Just as far as a pre thing, um, one of the things that Xavier here doesn't like is maple syrup. So I just want to see his face when he when he tries it. I, I've had it. I've sent off a couple samples to people. Uh, we were supposed to have uh, you met uh, Martin Nash, who was Super Nash, in when we did our podcast at a Kentucky Bourbon Festival, and he was supposed to make it, but he wasn't able to for a bunch of different reasons. Let me
3: let me address that maple syrup thing. For yeah, a okay, go ahead. The deal was this: every stinking holiday, <laughs> Christmas, Valentine's Day. And any other time that you would end up with a one of those big sampler boxes of candy, I would get, you know, we weren't allowed to pig out, you know, we were frugal with everything we had, and I could pick one piece of candy, I don't know, per day or per week or whatever it was, depending on how big the box was, and without a doubt, you could set your clock by it, you could bet your fortune on it, I would pick the freaking maple piece of candy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I went from just sort of not liking it to hating it but for that my, my, reason. My, and
2: it stuck with me. Were those candies um, Heggy's, Or were they, they a different chocolate?
3: I, I, they were all different. Okay. You know, Heggies uh, is our chocolate
2: place here in town. That right. Makes they have all fine the candy. candy yeah. but, but, and,
3: but, and so I just got to where I did not like it. I wouldn't drink Jack Daniels for years because it tasted like maple. Now... In the last year, well, yeah, let's see, that was almost two years ago. I was at a wedding reception, and I had some Jack Daniels. That was yeah. a whiskey of choice, and I was able to choke it down. Can you so, hear me?
4: Yes, we hear you. hear you. I
3: can't. You can't hear us? No?
2: Hold on. What'd you do, Jeff? Tiny? Is that better? No? All right, here we go. You can hear me? Yes, we can hear you. <laughs>
4: I can hear
3: you now. No, you're All confused.
2: right, all right. We just switched over to the computer. What was the
3: last thing you heard me say?
4: Um, you were talking about the tail end of your candy story. How much you hated them?
3: Oh, how much I hated it for that reason. But the last, um, I last mean,
4: I, about the candy store that was the very end. Good... About
3: two years ago, I, 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 I never liked Jack Daniels for that reason because of the charcoal filtering that they had a little bit of a maple taste. But I had some of that last year, and I was able to choke it down. So I'm going to keep an open mind when I sample your wares here. Maybe I'll like it. I don't know. Well, yeah, and
2: and then we did a we actually did a, a scotch. We have meetings here for the Scotchy Bourbon Boys here in Canton, Ohio, where we get together and everybody and we do tastings. And we did a line of Jack Daniels and. He actually didn't mind the Jack Daniels in that one. Now we did drink Gentleman Dr- Jack, and I think that's one of the most horrible. It was swill, horrible bourbons I've had in a long time. At least
3: that bottle was. Maybe maybe we just I don't a bad even bottle. think so.
2: I, but but I'm a what I am is a fan of bourbon. I mean, honestly, there's not been too many bourbons that I felt was bad. There's better bourbons, and then. There's okay average, you know, you know what I'm saying, but there, most of the time, if I drink a bourbon, I like it because I've always been a vanilla caramel kind of guy. You can hear us still? Yes. I can. Okay. Okay, good. All right. So, you know, that's just why bourbon, you know, now rye whiskey, for whatever reason, if rye whiskey, a majority, 90% of rye whiskeys taste horrible to me. It's just me. I, and there's nothing I can do about it. I just I, I I taste and I understand other people love rye whiskeys, but for whatever reason, I'm sensitive to that rye and that specific. If it's if it's lacking the sweetness that a bourbon usually has, you know, if you sweeten up that rye, I'll like it. But if you can't sweeten it up, it's just kind of like it's so bad to me. I really want to make it leave my mouth, but I will drink it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So right now we we put in the Widow Jane uh, tenure, which is a 2019 from batch 161.
4: Wow, I've blended over 600 batches. So yeah, early on.
2: Cheers. So what did you think of your early on batches to now? I mean, how, how you've done so many. Is it evolved or did you have better batches? Or? Oh,
4: yeah, it's definitely evolved. I mean, just like any other brand, right? Because if you're working with stock, you know, that stock gets older unless you've run through it all. And then if you run through it all, then you're into younger stock. So, you know, we all know that there can be two sister barrels that were from the same lot in the same rick the same years and taste completely different. So it's always evolving, right? It's always shifting a little bit, there's always some basic notes I'm looking for when I'm blending 10 year old, I'm looking for, um, cherry and dark stone fruit and then baking spice. And then after that, you know, pretty much anything goes, but, um, now I, I mean, I blend every last batch. I'm over 600. Um, it's muscle memory in a way. I mean, I can almost just smell it and know exactly what it's going to taste like. Not always. Um, I, you know, but uh, like, you know, there's still batches that I'm not crazy about so that I break them apart and put them, recombine them in a different way until I do like them. Um Yeah, you know, so it's always, a, you know, definitely I'm getting a lot more polished about what I do, Um, you know, just with practice and everything. I never dreamed in a million years that, you know, I would produce over 600 batches of whiskey. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's been crazy, crazy ride, right? And so, yeah, it's, you know... When I started, too, I had no idea how, you know, the growth and the scope. And um, and like I said, some of my barrel stocks, you know, some of my Tennessee early on was drinking a little bit younger than its age statement. Now it's drinking older, as old as this age statement. Um, and, you know, so I'm not even working. I'm working with the same whiskeys, but I'm not working with the same whiskeys. Right. No, sense. no.
2: It, well, just for instance, this is a 2019 uh, it's been pour, it's been open, poured into a sample bottle, shipped up to me, uh, and then it's probably been sitting for about another two months. So wow. that in itself is going to you know change the yes, whiskey. Absolutely. There's and and people it that makes me nervous to hear all that. <laughs> no, I, I found that that really really good whiskeys don't change too much. Like, if you open them up and whatever, it's it's like, and then you drink them two, three months. Like, for, for instance, I don't revisit a lot of, I, I don't get a chance to get back. The bottle gets opened. I try to avoid the neck pour. I do everything I possibly can, air it out, shake it up, whatever I got to do. But once I get into it, and then if I might return to it about a month later just to see if there's been a change but then a lot of the my of my whiskey collection which is now over 400 different bottles it will sit because I don't have I'm there's just not a time to go and drink them you know you've had samples of this you might have a little bit of this now I do know if you let the let it get to the bottom and it's just sitting there and there's like a pour or two left you want to get that done because as that starts to evaporate you usually don't get too good of a result from that, it it usually gets a little bit worse than better. But up until that yes, point, like
4: you leave you know whiskey on your nightstand that you thought you were going to finish, and then you wake up. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and then you then you try that. Well, the worst part is if you leave it, and it's like it's like in the middle of winter, and it's dry, and the next morning all there is is like a little skin to peel off the bottom of the Glencairn. But yeah. Um,
3: no, what's really bad is when you leave the whiskey on the nightstand, you wake up at 4.30 in the morning and decide, well, I might as well finish it. <laughs> yeah, except then it's not as good.
2: It's pretty much evaporated. Oh,
3: but. it depends.
2: Yeah, it depends on what that 4.30 in the morning was, right? Depends, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so this particular batch, um, I'm, I, I, I've, this is really good. Thank you. I mean the 2019 one is yeah, spectacular now we were sipping on the 2020
3: just before because no, I don't I don't is this the one that has maple because I'm not no, tasting, no, no, I'm no, not no. tasting any maple no, no the, the,
2: we'll, we'll finish with the maple okay. this has no nothing to do this is just 10 year widow Jane that she's putting on the shelf now in 2019 so how big is a batch now compared to early on I mean is it bigger or is it the same
4: I, no they're all five barrels. They're all five barrel batches.
2: So, how did you get the distribution to get better? That's because because at first, like the first bunch of batches, I in Ohio we didn't see anything. Like you know, we didn't see it. If we saw it, it was rare. But now, when you put out a batch, I can see it. I'll see it, and I'm, it's on the shelf, and I can actually get it.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it just growth, right? You know, when I started, um, you know, just like like any new project, right? You, you get started, Samson and Surrey had bought the company. They brought, they ended up hiring some of the best frontline salespeople you could possibly imagine. In fact, I've said to them several times, stop doing such a good job. We can't keep up. Um, The year before last, we just had phenomenal growth and guess what? We had phenomenal growth again on top of that year. So it wasn't even, so, you know, we're at a new high and then dang, you know, like, like we, we, did it again, right? So, um yeah, just, so you know, word of mouth podcast. You're on the um, accelerated curve. Yeah, so it's been crazy. I mean, and you know, as we get better, we're doing, you know, I've got the most amazing team. I have I just have the most amazing. There's only 15 of us total and that's tours, bartenders, um, you know, warehouse crew, bottling line, that's it total 15 of us. And um You know, we're all spread a little bit thin. We're all getting it done. Um, But it gets crazy, you know. It just gets crazy. So, yeah, we've just been darn lucky. And so it's gone into better distribution. And, um, you know, people can actually find it on the shelf.
3: So So I am intrigued. And maybe it's because ignorance is bliss. But referring to myself, myself, that is. Yeah. Yeah. on your website, I'm seeing where it, it it looks like you're doing kind of a a hybrid of in a unless I'm reading it wrong or it's just abbreviated on the website, you're doing like you start out in a pot and then end up column distillation. Is that what you're saying yes. Describe yeah, that to so, us a little bit.
4: Well we ha- you know we have what I call a split personality too because what you're drinking is sourced and blended right. We're buying those barrels from Indiana and Kentucky sure. and Tennessee. And we're very fortunate. We have some pretty deep stock. And then we also make our own whiskey. It's just not ready yet. So we do release a one-year-old expression at the distillery so people can get their head around what it is we're doing. Um, and I was supposed to start building a distillery in Brooklyn two two and a half years ago. And guess what? I was supposed to break ground in April 2020. <laughs>
1: yeah. So
4: it's been put on hold, but we're back up and running again. In fact, I you know talked again to the architects today. We've got our um you know, process engineering in place and our structural engineering in place and architects in place and um, the our, our architects are the same people that did Rabbit Hole um, and you know so we're we're up and oh. running and working on perm, working on permitting and all those sorts of things. So wow, um, yeah. So but anyway, in the meantime, because I don't have enough distilling capacity in in Brooklyn, I do grow corn upstate New York outside of Avoca. And then that corn comes to New York, and we distill it. And yes, we have a pot to column. Um, we don't. There, when you see the photograph of the still, we don't use the big column on the right. We don't use the vodka column. We use the um, the short five plate beer column. But um, yeah, that, so that's pot to column, which is um, very similar to what you know the way I distilled it. Are, are
3: you are you bleeding off any of the the heads before for when it oh, transitions yeah. from the pot to the column? Or oh yeah. Okay, oh, yeah.
1: at that point. Okay. So
2: that's the that's the advantage. You can do the run on the pot, which then you have a lot more control over. And then when it goes into the column, then it becomes... Now, do you, you, you obviously are running the column still there, similar to uh, the pot still, where there's an end of the run, you shut the column still down, right? You're not doing... Like a beam thing where it's twenty four seven. It's not continuous it's a
3: casting if you're so in the steel right. industry. It's
4: definitely batch. It's definitely batch distilling. So okay. Yeah, and so at the same time, you know, we have an open pollinated heirloom corn cross. It's a cross between Wapsi Valley and Bloody Butcher. We've trademarked it, Baby Jane. In the meantime, you know, for a couple of years until COVID hit, and we'll start growing again this year. We had the largest heirloom corn crop for whiskey in the United States, and we had it in Kentucky. Uh, Peterson Farms grew it for us. They grow for the big guys. In fact, it's just funny, you know, talking to Connor O'Driscoll at Heaven Hill, and um, they also Peterson grows some of their grain as well. So that part is fun. Um, we were the first craft heirloom project that they ever took on before, just because our scale was so big. We grew over 104,000 bushels of um, Baby Jane corn, and so in the meantime, um, we'd done a trial run at Wilderness Trail to see how the corn. When I first started the project, there was corn in storage in um, New York, and so I brought all of it back. We ran some of it wilderness trail. They didn't have room for it to us to run anymore, but we decided it was good whiskey. So then we ran the rest of it O.Z. Tyler and um,
1: so, um, had oh, that space.
4: Big... That's interesting.
3: Did, was, was putting the corn in New York just strictly a locational thing, or was there an analysis of the soil pH or something? Did, was there something that said, i got to have New York corn other than... Um, well, only the New York corn goes to, to comes to Brooklyn to be
4: distilled. So any of the Kentucky corn stays in Kentucky for me to okay. still there. Okay. So no, but these guys—they're—they're they're not a co-op, but they're a collective of um, former dairy farms. You know, and everybody knows the dairy farm industry. You know, really suffered some losses, and so they regrouped, growing grains for brewers and distillers to grow
3: a okay. lot of heirloom grain. Backing up to the process for just a minute, I just want to wrap my little senile pea brain around this. What are you then, you know, you have, you have distilleries that do all pot, distilleries that do all columns. You're doing both in the same run, basically. What are you leveraging by doing that? What is, what is that doing for you to do it that way?
4: Not 100% if I'm following your question. So like the small pot that we have in Brooklyn is actually a Christian Carl still. Um, they're, you know, European. They originally were built for making brandies. So okay. what I like about it is I inherited that still when I started the project. It was already there. What I like about it is it keeps the varietal characteristic in the in the heirloom corn, just like a grape varietal, right? Um, in Kentucky, we're running on a column, right? So, cause the rest of, after the Ozzy Tyler, um, experiment, now we moved everything to Castle and Key and I just still at Castle and Key. Oh,
3: okay. Good wish. And
4: yeah. And so I run that, you know, we, we go do, you know, we'll do 2000 barrels or 6000 barrels or whatever. And then, um, you know, the, then take a break and they have their other clients and all that sort of stuff. And so, and I've run some rye there as well, but, um, yeah, you know, so that eventually will get all repatriated to New York when I have the distilling capacity out here. But that's all column, you know. It's um, That's my life as a blender, you know, knowing that that whiskey's not going to be an exact match for what we're doing in New York. But, um, you know, that we'll be able to, um
1: okay. you know, so, blend
4: those. So,
2: so now Ozzy Tyler is now <laughs> Green River. Yes. And that first Green River... Release just has hit, and it's it's going by. It's getting lots of good reviews, and Mm -hmm. I'm happy for that. But initially, when I went to ozzy Tyler a couple years ago, when they were trying to do the rapid aging, it was not the greatest. But at the same time, they were also doing the contract distilling, and that's when you were you were there. So they were able to do the regular distilling exactly how, and they weren't trying to run it through their what did they call it um (laughs) rosy kind of thing right but but it's kind of like it's really for me when I went there and they showed me the process and that's just right at the time when I was starting the podcast and everything and it was just kind of like the one thing that I found throughout all whiskey is if you're trying to hurry it up by some process I still haven't found the person who's been able to rapid age it now i've found good whiskeys where people have you know maybe um released it early because it's good distilling and and whatnot and then when they they release it they you they let you know it's young so you kind of expect it but i haven't found anybody where they've said this is a six-year whiskey but we've only aged it for 18 months you know kind of thing i haven't found that to work yet now I don't know, so in all your experiences, you probably tasted some of that. Have you ever found anything that's come close to just actual natural aging? Or
3: <laughs> All right, so I'll, you know, I'll just look forward to the future. Yep. Also, I wanted to ask you, you talked about your water supply source. You found a limestone source 100, approximately 100 miles north of where you're at. What is that like trucking the water in to make that happen. I mean, I, um, I just imagine yeah. <laughs> tanker trucks coming through the streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> and I'm
4: to... We meet, we meet the water truck at 4 a.m. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that happens. So um,
2: no, no traffic at 4 a.m.
4: Correct. Yeah. They like that 4 a.m. Cause they can turn around and get right back out of the city again, between four and five. So every day, <laughs> no, depending oh, no. on when
3: you have runs scheduled. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. You know, we have we're on a regular water schedule, but um, only because you know we're kind of on a regular distilling schedule. Yeah, yeah oh, no. it's it's that's quite nice. the water. I mean, it's really delicious. And she's crying.
2: <laughs> that's my granddaughter. He's gonna go. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. She just—that's uh-uh. what happens. She, she's been asleep.
3: Oh no,
4: <laughs>
2: Yeah. So that's
3: a good girl. That's a good girl.
2: Oh, go lay down. It's okay. <laughs> we can, uh... I cannot. I'll be able to edit that part. Hey, Bill. Okay. You keep talking. I will go put my granddaughter back to sleep. We'll just... And you just keep asking... You I'm going to keep
3: asking stupid questions. Well, yeah. And keep trying asking. to sound intelligent. Ellie. <laughs>
1: it's
3: okay. Oh. So... So when you say you meet the truck without giving away any trade secrets, what does that involve? I mean, are you you're transferring to some other
4: uh, oh, yeah, intermediate container? A, yeah, it all goes into stainless steel holding tanks, right? And um, we hold it till we need it because we proof the whiskey down with that water. It's, uh, we have right. held the only water permit of its kind in this state of New York. Um, you know, for withdrawing water for a whiskey product, right or food or for a food product, um, it. It did take some doing. Um, you know, I we were under another does. permit. Yeah, we were under another permit, and I dawned on me one day that you know, one of these days, the FDA, in the twenty-one years I've been making alcohol, the FDA keeps threatening to put ingredient labeling on the bottle, and you know, it's like you know, we probably need to have it all lined up like it's a food ingredient, not just the fact that it's you know, we're getting the water tested and we've got all the certificates and things on it, um, but we needed to do it a different way, and so. We did it. We got it done. Um, you know, at one time they were like, I don't know if we're going to, you know, you're going to be able to do this or not. And they did, they got it all through because. that's That um,
3: has to be a nightmare.
4: Oh my gosh. But but we're ready to go. The second the FDA tells us, you know, we've got to have it put on the label. We've got, we've got it all figured out. So that, that's pretty um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So for a while they were rebuilding their water truck, um, the water company and didn't have something that was roadworthy that they were happy with they were you know like taking a tank off of an old milk truck and they were taking a chassis out of another, <laughs>
1: another
4: <laughs> truck, putting it all together and because uh, they wanted something a little bit smaller to run into the city for us right and and so during that time i was going up with a tank in a in pickup trucks and picking up the water myself bringing wow. it back. yeah of all the crazy things you'd never think you're going to do you know, you're like sitting on the Brooklyn Bridge with this tank in a truck going, Oh my gosh, if somebody had told me this ten years ago I'd never believed it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just I just see yeah. that in in the confines of what I've seen of New York. You know, I've been across the Brooklyn Bridge, I've been across the RFK Bridge, I've 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 gotten lost in New York once or twice. It's I I also did a sprint through Chinatown to Little Italy, down the middle of the street, but that's a whole other story for another time. But at any rate, i just trying to coordinate the truck. I mean, ideally, they bring the tank truck in, back it into a bay in your distillery, and you hook the hoses up to it right there, and you're not double handling it, you know. Right. But uh, obviously, logistically, that's an impossibility, given your your geography.
4: Right, right, Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, if we hook the hoses up and run them across the sidewalk and into the into the warehouse, and
3: yep.
4: it stays in storage, and we test it and test it again, and yeah, yep. it's all good.
3: All right. There well, we go. Here we go. Switcher. <laughs> We're just doing this so you don't fall asleep. You know, you are got to say, now, who's going to be sitting down next? You know? <laughs> That's just crazy. It'd be cool if we had somebody else who hadn't participated in the podcast to come and sit down, and I would act like it was tiny. And you'd be saying like, "Wait a minute, that's not him,"
1: you
3: know. <laughs> well, it's like with with my
2: granddaughter. What happens is that like she probably it's like I I got her to go to sleep before the podcast, so that was a really good thing. But then you know she had to wake up and go to the bathroom, so we're good. Yeah.
4: Well, how old is she?
2: She's five. She's going to be six real okay. soon. So, uh, we we uh we are covering for her mom and dad. <sighs>
4: My grandsons are almost nine, and they and the youngest is seven.
2: Yeah, I I think let's see. I've got two year old, three year old, seven, and six, and she's going to be six. Wow. Yeah,
4: uh, you got me beat. Yeah. They're
2: they're awesome though, aren't they? Aren't grand grandchildren?
4: They're, it's such a cliche, but there's a reason it's a cliche because it's so wonderful. It's just so wonderful. You know, I come home. They when I'm back in Bardstown, they just live a block and a half from me, right? And. And uh, we're, we all live downtown in the historic area, and and they'll see me coming, right? You know, and I hear them scream, my, scream my name, and run down the sidewalk. It's the best,
2: right?
4: That's neat. When I, co- when, yeah. I
2: co- when I come when I totally come, home,
4: and,
2: yeah. When I come <laughs> home from work, she's just right there. She's at the oh, door. Gosh. It's just like it, it, it's it's kind of like it just makes you feel younger that's just there's an aspect of energy they have and love that
4: well there's the stuff you can i mean you know this is part of the cliche that you can't you know you didn't have time to do with your other kids you know so i can just lay on the floor and do legos with them forever you know or or you know watch a movie or just hang out or whatever you know so yeah
3: i love that part that's neat.
2: there's it and then we get to do all of our fun things (laughs) So, all right, so let me, you, you're finished with that one, huh? Yeah. So the... the my the,
4: oldest grandson did say one day, he goes, when he was younger, he, came, he comes in my kitchen, he goes, Mamie, why do you have so much whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> I was tough. Know. T- 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 someone asked me one time, they're like, you, you know, do they know, like, that you work in a distillery? I said, they go to school in Bardstown, and when you say my grandmother works in a distillery, that is not an unusual thing. <laughs>
2: right, that's... Probably commonplace. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but you run distilleries. That isn't a normal thing.
4: That isn't, but you know, but for somebody to say, you know, your grandma, does your grandma work in a distillery? It's not, not
2: there. Crazy, yeah, not yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the country, sure, but yeah, right there, you're good. Uh, I actually had a guy that listens to the podcast talk about that. He listens to the podcast, and I don't know why he does this with his um, eight year old daughter in the car and he said that he was at a party you know a family get-together and she started explaining single barrels <laughs> to the guests because <laughs> and and so initially they're like "Well, oh, did you have this and she's like is that a single barrel and they're like what <laughs> So she she was picking up everything off the podcast. So my awesome. uh, I was telling my wife, it's like we got to watch out with, from my granddaughter because she already knows everything about. She tells everybody about bourbon all the time. So there's no doubt when you're in the business uh, uh, or in the industry that they pick up everything. But I think
4: it's well, they're it, so surrounded by it, you know. I mean, they remember their you know, dad was executive chef at Maker's Mark, so. Or when they were little, little they're still little. But when they were even younger, you know, I think they thought it was a state park. I think they thought, you know, we. Baker's
2: oh, but yeah. but it is a state park. I mean, for
1: God's you know,
4: sake, we go down and play in the creek, you know, and we go back up the old Dead End Road, and uh, we watch the eclipse from the lake, you know, and all those sorts of things, you know. So I think for a long time they just it was just well, you know
2: Maker's Mark is so that that property is so beautiful. I mean, you're it's there. And then you're finished with your you tour and you just walk around and it's just exactly like you said, it's like a park. I mean it's just the,
3: the unless the it's creek. raining an inch per hour, then you oh, don't yeah, walk that. around that much. That was of the day we were there. That was the Wednesday that you know, last September. So
2: Yeah, when we, the, the one when, where the torrential downpour, we were on a bus tour. And initially when I did the bus tour, we made the makers mark kind of the focus. And then we went to preservation with Matt Jackson. And then we. And I hired
4: Matt. Yes, yeah, I hired I, Matt. Yeah.
2: He. He. he what he, a hire. He talked to you, talked to us about that whole situation, which you like. Yeah. Oh. He
4: he del- he delivered my appliances, and uh, I bought my house in Bardstown, and he delivered my washer and dryer and everything, and um, he came back. So his boss wanted him to clock out on a Friday afternoon, right? And so I'm like, no, it's fine. We can wait till Monday. And he came back after hours and said if my wife had just bought a brand new washer and dryer and um, it wasn't hooked up, you know, I I know she'd be really disappointed. And he came back on his own time. And so he started talking to me about what I did, did for a living, you know, and I guess he'd heard from somebody, you know, that I'm in the distilling world. And, and so we started talking and sure enough, I called him, I took his information and said, you know, if something comes up, I'll call you. And, I called them and said, you know, I can, I can teach people everything else, but I can't teach people work ethic. and That's true. I can't teach people personality, and I can't teach, teach people work that, ethic.
3: That's something. Is a hiring, in my business, IT people, hiring technicians and programmers,
4: right.
3: my partner and I have always said that we will take 10% ability and 90% attitude
4: over yes. the reverse
3: any day of the week.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. Same thing here. You know what I'm doing here as well. And um, you know, we've got I've cross trained everybody here. Even the bartenders have. um, They're all forklift certified. I buy them all steel toed boots. So you know, um, but they all have remarkable work ethics. They're all just really good people and work really hard. And I can teach them the rest of it. You know. So.
2: Yeah, you you can't teach. Uh, yeah. but, but they're
4: smart. It's not like they didn't come to the table. These guys didn't come to the table, you know, with with some, you know some really remarkable skills and some really remarkable backgrounds. But no one came from the distilling world, you know. Nobody right. was already, already working in a distillery before they were at Widow Jane.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, you're 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 completely right there. That's one thing that we we deal with all the time. Now we have the the lucky thirteen in here. Lucky so, 13. Uh, explain this to me. Because I've never had it. Because the 13, the 14, and the 15, I, this mm-hmm. is the first time I'm tasting it.
4: You know, if you have the Lucky, Thir- the Lucky 13 single barrel or the Lucky 13 blend. That's oh, the well, label. It.
2: This is going to be a tricky. Because this is where I definitely show. Because <laughs> not only does he send me. He sends labels. But look at. I mean, we're talking. Look, Look at this label. Can you can you tell from the label? <laughs> it's, it's You're on your own. Big a little guy.
3: stop. Yeah, here we go. I will look. A few podcasts ago, he was having trouble reading. I got my reading glasses. Let me just go ahead and take that from him. It's like it's like I volunteered to fall on a grenade. This label was in red with black print on a whiskey bottle, and it was like. It was like, wait a minute, do we have to, like, rub lemon juice on this to get the print to be visible or what? You know, it was just impossible to see. Okay,
2: so it's 49.5% ABV, and it's batched to bottle 134. Does that help you?
1: hmm
4: Yes.
3: So, so is it a, single barrel or is it a blend? It's,
4: yes, it's a blend. Okay. it's a blend. Okay. So what happened... Um. Excuse me. I have a little distillery thing going on here. So I'm going to do something real quick yeah. and say podcast. So right. we're always working,
3: right? Always, um, oh, of course. They, Absolutely.
4: They, um, Lucky 13. When I started at Widow Jane, the 10-year-old was a single barrel. I was One of the things I was hired to do was take the 10-year-old single barrel and turn it into a blend so we didn't have to drop the 10-year age statement. And... Yeah. That's, you know, how the how the 10 year old blend was started. Was the widow, then,
2: was Widow Jane already an established distillery when you got there?
4: Yes. Widow Jane's 10 years old and I've been there for five years. OK, so Samson and Suri purchased Widow Jane five years ago last month and um, had a very notorious previous owner. Very. um um not transparent story necessarily. Um so when I was hired, you know, um there were a lot of skeletons in the closet and we've worked very hard. I've worked very hard and my teams worked very hard to um clean all that up and we have and we've had great success with that. You know, the the stories weren't so far off. It was back when everybody was, you know, not exactly not everybody. I do not mean that by any means. That was a slip of the tongue. But you know, several brands were having issues, right? Uh So I get there. I mean, I have had other distillers screaming in my face. I had another woman distiller that we all know she had to pull a guy away from me. Cause he was screaming at me at a distillers convention in Pittsburgh, because he found out I worked for widow Jane and he's going to let me have it. Right. She's like, no, 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 no. Lisa's going to get it cleaned up. Just wait, give her some time. And um, I mean, that's how bad it was. Right. Wow, It was so, wow. and so, <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're, you know, so, so that's part of the other reason I was hired, right? There was lots of reasons I was, I guess I was hired and, um, started as a consultant with them because I already had other clients. And so I came on as a consultant initially and for a year and a half until Sam's story asked, if I'd please come on full time and, um, you know, dismiss my other clients. And it was t- some tearful goodbyes, but I did. And, um, um, yeah, so that, so anyway, that's how the tenure got established, right? I, my boss's, um, you know, we're from Bacardi. They both run major sections of Bacardi internationally. And um, one of them's British one, the other one's a Spaniard. And they have been a joy to work with. I know I can drive them crazy sometimes. <laughs> and they've been, they've been, you know, they've been really patient with me. Um, so, so anyway, so we had such success with the 10 year old, um, our single barrel program had moved to a 12 year old black label, right? They had already had that product as well. And um, I started getting some of those at that point in time, those were all Indiana barrels. And I started getting those Indiana barrels and they were under proof because we proved the single barrel to 99 and I was getting barrels in at 97, 95, 93. It's like, uh Oh, and I had like 60 of these, right. They're
2: mean, all, and they're already, already, uh, in, you've purchased them already. They're there. And oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Have, they that, were that's all what you have attached. to use. Exactly.
4: So, um, you know, but they were delicious. I mean, they were really good, so I didn't want to, like, put them into the 10-year blend, right? I mean, they were definitely standalone barrels, and so I got the idea one day. I, like, called my boss. I said, you know what? This is what's happening. I'm just going to, you know, maybe stair-step proof them to whatever the closest proof is, and that's what we ended up doing. Whether it was 93 or 95 or 97 or 99, I would proof them to where I could get them, and um, I told him, I said, I think we, you know, what a Jane It's a little dark, is like, I think we should call him unlucky 13. He's like, Lisa, we're not calling anything unlucky.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bad He's omen.
4: Said, let's, call it, let's call it lucky 13. I'm like, okay, I can live with that. And um, so that's how the lucky 13 happened. So, um, you know, so we blew through those barrels and we still had other stock and we've had such success with blending. And I was getting at my other stock was, I had a nice clump of stock that was like 12 and 13 years old. And. So, you know, we did propose the blending and started blending Lucky 13 as well and had had major success with it. I don't have a barrel limit on it. I sometimes blend seven barrels, nine barrels, 11 barrels. I've I've never blended more than 11 in in Lucky 13, but um, I like odd numbers. So, um, you know, I do the five, seven, nine, or 11 in Lucky 13, but um, they vary more than the 10 year old because Um, I have, you know, kind of an open license to as long as it's balanced, um, you know, and it gives me some freedom to use some of some of the barrels that are really lovely and maybe not have a home in another product. but They're really spectacular. And so I was like, okay, well, I know where I'm putting that one. Right. And yeah, so we've had great success with the Lucky 13. We've been really fortunate. I mean, it really has taken off. And
2: so what you're um, what you're saying is you get these. So, uh, like, uh, it, what I found is that larger, larger distilleries, right, when they get these barrels forever, they had no idea what to do with them. Because they get these barrels, they couldn't put it into the regular blend of what they were doing because it would mess up the whole taste profile. So then they'd have them sitting around. Now a craft distiller like yourself, some of these barrels, if they're spectacular, you can sell them right out of the gift shop. That's what a lot of the distilleries are doing. Um, I find that some of the bigger distilleries now are making craft, craft uh, whiskeys, where they're doing shorter runs and that type of thing, and they're using those barrels. So, but talk about that. Talk about the fantastic, like. You get a barrel that has nothing to do with your profile, nothing to do with anything, but it's just so delicious. I mean, what's what's that like? I mean, when you get those barrels, and how many? That's a
3: new label, there? is what it
2: is. <laughs> well, Lucky Thirteen, you're putting a lot of those, but I, there's got to be the even more spectacular ones. That are you releasing them as single barrels at the distillery? No, no, everything's
4: good. Everything right now, I'm blending. Yeah, you know, they elevate a blend. You know, it's definitely a way to. Elevate bar- barrels that maybe are a little bit more run of the mill. Um, yeah, you know, it's it makes I mean, them richer and stronger blends. Well, the thirteen
2: right there compared to the two tens is a lot sweeter. There was a lot more. Huh. Well, you want to say sugar? No,
3: right? no, I detected more on the back palate, more uh, oakiness. It wasn't necessarily bitter but it wasn't sweet either. I thought it was less sweet than the first expression.
2: Now, see, we definitely have two different palates, and that's one thing that I always love about whiskey because I exist in that world of whiskey groups and everything uh as far as a podcaster, and there's these there's always those people. Now, do you remember the first time that we we ever had uh conversation i mean it's like i had posted (laughs) and i feel embarrassed for this that i thought it was a a good whiskey but it was expensive and you came you were already part of the scotchy bourbon boys in which uh, that was that was awesome but i didn't even realize that and all of a sudden you responded to me that that purchasing whiskey to put into a blend is not cheap, and the price is being driven by having to purchase good barrels of whiskey. Now that was thank you for schooling me on that, because I, I <laughs> even right now I understand.
4: Was, polite. was I polite? Oh, you
2: were super polite, and I was honored. I, honestly, I was honored that you actually responded. He to felt what even I said.
3: worse about the Facebook complaint he made about you. So, you
2: no, know. I did not make any Facebook <laughs> complaints asshole <laughs> no but but it's it's just seriously i that that first time i was definitely honored because i understand even so much more now what's going on it's just now that there's all these it's just all these blunders. for instance the the last podcast we had on jade peterson and you're yeah, talking yeah, about oceans Jake. yeah he, yeah he's great And, but when you explain to people, you know, people are like, it's gimmicky. Oceans is giving, somehow it's gimmicky. Wait a second. How is it gimmicky? They basically sail your whiskey around the world in different climates. That's a a pretty
3: expensive gimmick. And
2: and it's like, and, and, okay, so if you don't like it, move on and say you don't like it. But don't try and say it's a gimmick because there's, because they don't have any problem selling all the bottles right so some people don't some people like what they're doing but yes there's other people who don't and that's what I'm. We have just definitely different palettes. I understand his palette. I I don't think I was
3: trashing her. I mean, I thought it was a fine expression, but there was a difference. No, no, you. Were I was diametrically no, opposite. No. But oh. you notice I picked up the sweetness, okay, of it, and I picked up more sweetness on the first expression.
2: Right. So we we definitely taste differently, and that's the great thing. Well, about the I great would thing.
3: agree with you, but then I'd be wrong. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> you
3: are always
2: wrong. No. <laughs> No, no, At, well, no. I, I in all
3: fairness, t- Jeff has a much sharper palate than I do. I will, but but
2: no. in the, in the sense, I might have a sharper. So palate, does tiny. But that doesn't mean your palate, palate isn't as important to you, and that's the whole thing. It, you can't, you, as you know, you're not going to please everybody out there, right? There's just no way. Well, and
3: there's people out there, like you were saying in the beginning. There's there's people out there that they just they can't just politely say that you know this is not their favorite expression or whatever they have oh, to trash so- they have to trash what you're doing and that, that makes me nuts yeah. that people are like that
4: yeah because i know the same thing i know everybody's not going to like it but it's really interesting you know i had a friend's whiskey Thank that you. was getting just shredded you know and it's a really solid good whiskey and it's not because it's my friend's whiskey but people's comments it was so, i mean it was just really yeah i just have to sometimes like remove myself from that or like or, you know, I, I yeah, anyway.
3: Yeah, it, it's, it's tough that people have such miserable lives that they have to project their misery onto everyone else rather than being yeah. classy about it. And if they don't care for it, they could take some aspect of what they like, emphasize that and say, and, and then politely say, well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not as strong as I'd have liked it been here or here, but I like this and and move on, you know, or not come in at all. But no, some people just cannot be that way for some reason. Well, but how are you better
2: <laughs> than someone else because you like something? It's just like, it's like I like lobster and you don't, so I'm way better than you. And it's just like, <laughs> no, it's not how it works. So some people don't like lobster and some people do. And same thing with whiskey. But the great thing about bourbon is, and whiskey is that there's so many out there that you can find what you like. I mean, it, it, I've had to work my ass off to find rye that I like. It's just, I, I, it, it was something, it's not like it's something that comes to me and there's a lot of bad ryes I've gone through. But at the same time, it's not that they're, it's not bad rye, it's just bad to me. Right. It right. Does, yeah, and it's like I understand that people. When I sit there and it tastes like something that I don't even want to say, and but to so somebody but else, but you would have like said it many yeah, times. but I'll well, yeah. thank
3: you not to say it. This I won't podcast. say it
2: this time. It, we're we're in front of Lisa, so I'm not going to yeah, say it. Act,
3: act respectable. Lisa
4: yeah. cusses like a sailor.
2: So. Okay, so so I I, I tasted. Um, so Bob Dylan has <laughs> his brand of Heaven's Door, right? Huh. So I, I was like, "Oh look, here's 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 a three pack." It's like, I'll I'll do that. That's a podcast in a box, right? <laughs> so I, I do it. And, and I taste the rye, and it just, it tastes like urine. It tasted like old man's urine, and I said it.
3: And we've never gotten a clear answer as to how he knows. I've told you many times. Why he knows he's so I, sure of that once, taste. Once but. again, I don't know the taste. I only know the familiar
2: smell because I am an old man. <laughs> I'm not sure if I feel anyways, better about
3: that or not. Anyways, uh,
2: anyways, but I, I, I totally prefaced <laughs> it with... I don't like rye. It was horrible to me. It tasted like formaldehyde and pee, and it's just like I. I it took everything for me not to like just just not. But get it there out.
3: there are some magnificent ryes out there. Well, right. I mean, I love Knob Creek rye. I like Booker's rye. That was what Sandy gave us. Well, yeah. That was just out of this world. Uh, and uh, Luca Mariano does a you, fantastic job. Yeah, on his but rye. you
2: could you could kiss my ass. You love rye. So it's like you would probably you didn't you weren't on that podcast you probably would have liked that I just didn't and so I always try and tell rye's everybody rye's not for everybody no but I try and tell everybody <laughs> it doesn't matter what I like it's what you like I'm just giving a, a guide that if you have the similar palate you might like but well
3: you know there's those of us that like rye and then there's everybody else so what do you Lisa <laughs>
2: uh, do you like rye whiskeys most of them are the right. there you go rye. yeah was that
4: I've been the consulting distiller for George Washington's Rye Whiskey for six okay, years. Okay, so you
3: week. say you love Rye Whiskey? So you still are the consulting.
4: Yeah, you, six you, years this week. Okay. okay, but
3: you said, I couldn't hear you, you said you love Rye Whiskey? Mm-hmm. I
4: love Rye Whiskey. Yeah. Awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, which I'm, you know what? I have
4: two Rye whiskeys. Widow Jane has two Rye's. And okay,
3: well, I'm going to have to take them for a ride.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I have to, we have to be able to get them. <laughs> Hint. Hint. <laughs> not so subtle. But, but seriously, send us
3: little sample is there, bottles. Is there yeah.
2: a, is there a whiskey that you don't like? I mean, is there or do you like all whiskeys? I mean, you've you've had to have all different types.
4: Yeah, you know, I judge American Craft Spirits Association right, and sometimes if I don't like a whiskey, it's if something's well crafted, it's just not my cup of tea. I still like that whiskey, if it makes any sense. Right, you know, it's like well, somebody did a really good job on the fermentation. They did a really great job on the distillation. They did a really great job on the aging process. Maybe it's just not my favorite whiskey, right? And but they, it's, it's a really great whiskey still. Um, the ones that I don't like is when they ha- somebody has taken a whiskey and done a poor, infected fermentation and the off flavors in the fermentation, and they thought that they were gonna quote unquote clean it up by distilling it. And um as my mentor says, bad in, bad out. And
3: well, I've heard um, that. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. And so you take that distillate that smells and tastes funny because the, the mash smelled and tasted funny. Then you put it in a barrel thinking that's gonna fix it. And you're not gonna fix it. You need to trash that mash in the very beginning, right? And garbage in, I garbage out. The, yeah. Yeah, so you know, because people have wasted all their time and their money, and they think they're wasting time and money by trashing that bad mash, you know. But it's like, no, you you're not going to fix it. It's not going to. You're not going to cover it up with oak. You're not going to cover it up with distillation. You know, it's just not going to be ever going to be a good product. So it's
2: they they sh- you know, like, they should have called Patrick Heist at about yeah, oh yeah. after a day okay. realizing it was going to shit, and then he would have fixed it for them, and then it would have been all right. Absolutely. Isn't it crazy that what yeast shits out and how well it shits it out is based off of how good our whiskey can be? But then again, the same thing. When you, once you distill it, there's a certain aspect of what your uh what would you say? What you are respecting as a distiller, and some people try and take out they try and have some stuff left in as a distiller and they take it out during the barrel aging process and then there's other people who properly do it and they're not worried about what needs to be take, taken out in the barrel aging process it's just such a unbelievably artistic and i and it is an art of what you're trying to get across but at the same time how many people well for instance have you ever been out to cop uh what is it, Um Mount Rushmore? But they got crazy. Yeah, yeah. the, but you have you ever seen Crazy Horse? Oh yeah, which oh, is yeah, right. Yeah. So yep. think about that. That's yeah, similar.
4: It's been a few years, yeah.
2: But that's similar to what the art of whiskey is because you're basically working on a project that will span your lifetime, and actually now it's spanning. It'll span two, three generational lifetimes before it's finished, which is which is similar to like whiskey. There's a certain amount of aging that you, when you start, you don't know what the finished product's going to be, but you have to be, um, what would you say, diligent and transparent and dedicated to the process so that you can get something that's I,
3: I would say that that is what makes your industry and your craft one of the most difficult in the world to get be into because not only are you thinking about this is what I'm starting with, what's it gonna be like in four, five, six years or longer, but you're gonna you're gonna be saying, or or ten years or whatever the case may be, and then you're saying, okay, this is where I'm gonna to get to. Is there gonna be the demand? Is there, you know, it, oh, yeah. it, 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 when I get to that point, is my vision. My consumer's vision, <laughs> yeah. and that—that's—that's that, that's the thing that uh, I would find daunting, to say the least. But the yeah, life. you
4: know, it's it's gambling. Like you're, you know, farmers gamble every year, right? You know, distillers gamble every. Any anybody that's in agriculture,
3: whether but but a year versus that is to me is amazing. Yeah. Now, in
2: wine, the year of the grape matters to the wine. Okay. So we never talk about, I've never heard it talked about, but the the year that, and the yield of the corn, on a really good corn yield, is the corn actually sweeter? I mean, that has to, that's the kind of stuff that has to, like, that's never, people besides yourself don't actually understand that a good, you can have a good and a bad corn year. Right. As far as yield and sweetness of the corn.
4: Yeah. You know, I mean, dried corn is, you know, kind of one of the probably the most consistent things in the distilling process. But absolutely. Um, Dr. Rob Arnold, you know, he's a Kentuckian that was at TX Whiskey and he's um, out on his own consulting now. But he wrote a book called The Tawar of Whiskey. And it, I recommend highly recommend it reading for anyone. It's You know, it sounds like it's geared for distillers, but it's you know, for anybody that's in the whiskey industry um, or interested in the whiskey industry, but you know, it touches on all of those sorts of things the weather and, and climate and soil and corn, it's all it all makes a difference, right? Just, just like grapes.
3: I would yeah. think that if you found the, the uh, limestone water, you also mm-hmm. probably found a good place to plant your corn, I would think.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Right, and then also there's the, what's been happening in the United States for the last uh, ten, fifteen years, and I'm gonna I, I really believe even the bottom shelf whiskeys have gotten so so much better because of that aging process and what's happening in across the Midwest or whatever. yes, the the warmth, the warming of uh, what's going on, and then you still have that cold. I just think we're in a a cycle where we just, where for the last 10, 15 years, you're looking at just dynamic, perfect aging conditions year after year. Whereas some years you can have it like, you know, I can remember cold summers and I can remember, you know, whatever. But lately it's been hot summers, cold winters, hot summers, cold, And, and that has just been increasing just the... I mean, I just think the quality of the whiskey and then also the technology of understanding, you know, you can analyze. There's so much stuff you can do as far as analyzing what you're putting out, too, that it's just the whiskey just keeps getting better and better. And we just have to the I think the challenge of the whole spirits industry is, is that as it explodes, because, you know, Right now, tequila is starting to overtake vodka, and mm-hmm. whiskey doesn't even come close to either one of them. But they've actually reclaimed and gotten a little bit more of the market that they had lost in the you know the seventies and eighties. But uh, overall, we just don't want to have people just laying in the streets drunk like they did it you know in the in. The <laughs> The early 1900s. That's the goal, just to make everybody we're <laughs> the early drink 1980s. Yeah.
3: <laughs> whatever the case may be, you know.
2: So uh, we're getting close to finishing. Uh, do you have? Okay, so this is the 14 year we're, we're drinking. So yeah, so it needs
4: to open up a minute.
2: Okay,
3: we've opened it up. Yeah. yes,
4: it's it needs been, a few minutes. No. Bloom and develop, yeah.
3: This definitely is more to the. It's got more of a hot or a spicy to it, but it's quite good. I mean, it's it's really good. There's a yeah.
4: I came out of, came out of COVID. I had COVID in March 2020, right, and, and um, lost my taste and smell.
1: That's and didn't, I didn't. It?
4: I didn't I didn't tell anyone and my son-in-law was bringing me dinner every night and he's ridiculously talented chef. Right. And, and, um, I'm in quarantine in my home there and in Kentucky and I lost my taste and smell. And I told him, I said, I'm so grateful for what you're doing, but don't bring me any more food. Cause it's breaking my heart. I couldn't taste or smell what he was bringing me. And still every couple of days he's like, Oh, I'm still going to bring you something. Right. You know, it's like, Oh my gosh. And, so I get online, and I find um, all these things about people that lose their taste and smell after they've had a stroke, right? And start working through some of that, and um, you know, quite concerned, right? I Think I've just lost my livelihood, but I, it started coming back. Uh, somebody brought me some lilacs at Easter, and I walk into my sunroom, and it's like, oh my gosh, I can, It was fleeting, but I could smell them, right? And then the next day, I could smell a little bit more, and a little bit more, and. Um, Things were coming back okay. And I had another round of vaults to blend, and I blended that vaults. And we had the highest scoring vaults, the highest score that we've ever had. We had a 94 with Whiskey Advocate. And um, my boss calls me. He's like, how bad was it? I'm like, how bad was what? And he's like, did you lose your taste and smell? I said, I did. I did. I said I didn't tell anyone because I was scared to death. But I had that 94, and, like, things are okay. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, but I work at it every day. I'm actually more diligent than I've ever been. You know, I go through everything. I don't, we were discussing it at work today. I don't even buy, you know, I love my French roast coffee beans, right? But I buy all these different roasts now. I buy oily roast and dry roast and greener beans and everything else because I'm not just smelling coffee in the morning, but I'm going to smell all the coffees, right? And I will smell all the teas. I've been drinking a lot more tea because there's so many more things that are going on in it. Um, I have this line of extracts. You know, at work, there's some things I made myself and some things I've purchased commercially. But, um, yeah, you know, it's... uh, But the vaults was... Thank God for the vaults, right? I was able to put it together and... um, Well,
2: this is... that
4: we were over COVID, yeah.
2: This Mm -hmm. definitely has an aspect of... uh, There's a kick to it. There's... Put it this way. It's a perfect balance of... Bourbon and rye mix. Now, this is just my opinion. I don't know what what you what you mixed it with, or there's what, no rye. There's no no not not rye whiskey, but like oh. a, a higher rye bourbon. Is there a higher rye bourbon in there? No,
3: no, it's the barley malt. It's, so it's, I'm it's just a, picking the malt that she used.
2: Yeah. Okay, so it just it's just got more spice. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's got, got more of a sweet...
3: hot spice, but you don't taste right. the pond water of rye.
2: No, I'm not tasting like the. No, it's not a bad rye. It's not. It, it's the spice aspect of it.
4: Pond water, a tasting note.
3: Yeah, Is pond water. Well, you know, yes. some some rye whiskeys. As much as I love rye, you get you get the same. Oh,
4: I know. I know the note you're talking. About. Yeah,
3: exactly. Pond water. You know, it, it's like it's like. Celery. I'm not a fan of celery because it Whoa. tastes like it's it nice tastes hungry. like it tastes like what my live well smells like after I've had bass in it. You know that. That's, that <laughs> he that, likes, that, but you like rye, and but and I like I like good rye for yeah. God's except you I look- love venison too, but it's got to be prepared. Do you right. like bullet rye?
2: Mm. So bullet rye is exactly the kind of rye I don't like. It's got that. To me it's got a celery taste. Really? Right.
3: Yeah, it does. It does have a little so bit of So that's what it, that's that's where for whatever reason the holy grail of rye so far is Luca Mariano rye though. That's really, Yeah, there, I, but, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. The Booker's rye was that, just fantastic. Have, have you
2: ever ch- tasted yet Buzzard's roost? That is that that is that that's an the, they just released the bourbon. I'm trying to get a hold of the bourbon, but they're They, I just got a bottle of Buzzard's Roost rye and I just, it was $65. And I'm like, I should really buy this. (laughs) It was like, it was like, I I don't buy rice. Okay. But something was telling me to buy it and it's, and it's actually delicious. It's got the sweet notes that it needs to have to counteract the celery aspect of it. So, you know, it's, Everybody's palate's complex. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, there's so many ryes and bourbons out there. You should just drink what you like, correct? Yeah. Okay, so we're down to the 15. (laughs) I'm going to pour that. It's over here. So what's up with the 15? Just give me a
3: tiny
4: bit. Yeah, the 15. um, Read the back on that one. All right, give me a. If you read the back label, I I can tell you which cooperage it was rebarreled in. Good.
2: Good. Um, All right. I'm going to taste it in the Widow Jane.
3: You know, there was something you were talking about there, Jeff, and I realized that a tree grows longer than 15 years, but with the extreme cold and extreme heat that certainly affects the quality of the wood you're getting for your barrels, too.
4: Yeah. The rings Yeah, the rings on it are a lot farther apart. And if you put a piece of um, a barrel stave up against a barrel stave from 15 or 20 years ago it's really interesting the difference in the pattern they're On further the,
3: apart now is that what you're saying
4: mm-hmm. well warmer temperatures and they're growing faster
3: yeah uh,
2: uh, if do you, are you familiar with uh, Greg Schneider who does who distills Chicken cock. Chicken cock and, and yes, yes, he goes down to the West Virginia Cooperage and he yeah, basically and he picks those staves based off of the oak growing on the shade side. Whether well, it's on the north
3: of, side of yeah. the Blue Ridge or the south side, you know. Yeah, and, he, I mean, he's really into that, like heavy. Yeah, he's he's going. He's fascinating up. to listen but, to because he can really describe.
4: It's why I use Zach Coopridge because I they've been using the same stave mill for years and years. Bert Zimlich, right? He used to open the Brown Foreman Coopridge, and then went out on his own and opened Zach Coopridge, and now his son and grandson run it, Bruce and Zach. And um, but that's that consistency of wood and those old growth um, trees, and that stave mill is where. You know they source everything, and they've been working with them for years, so my flavor profile is consistent. So,
2: and, and explain to the the viewers how important, or listeners, is the case the right? the listeners sure. and viewers. Yes, how important the sugars in the wood, and then also, what char do you use on your barrels?
4: Um, we have a one of a kind char. We have a we to- we have a heavy toast. I tell them to toast the hell out of it, right? And then um, um, we have a three and a half char. Okay. So higher the char, longer you want to let the whiskey lay in the barrel, right? And, right. Um, right. Um, it's yeah. So three and a half seem like a good number, right?
2: <laughs> and, what the heck? Yeah. yeah. It's it's like it's, it's an odd a, number
3: and it may even be prime. No,
2: it just it 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 just defines Lisa. <laughs> she <laughs> she basically went with something that nobody else goes with. It's a little bit longer than three, not as much as four, and three and, it makes
3: and a half. It unique, right? You're like the Russian judge. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, literally make
4: up, I literally couldn't make up my mind. I literally couldn't make up my mind, and so that's where we settled. So in, you again. just
3: settled
2: in between. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sure. Okay. I like I <laughs> it's it, I always talk about uh it's like men will make decisions, if you've ever noticed. They make decisions and they will make them on the spot, right or wrong. But women will always think about their decisions. And then there's a certain amount of decisions that the overthinking even is is as bad as the man's poor decisions that they make on the spot. But the decisions that they really think out and go are just as good as, you know what I mean? It's So it's just
3: before a- you think we've forfeited all of our testosterone, <laughs> there's an old saying, and that's a good decision today beats a great decision tomorrow. So
4: Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Remember, it's International Women's Day. Be nice to me. Baby. No, I'm being totally We're nice to you. My wife... I,
3: I have no doubt that you have make more make. decision-making capability in your big toe than i have in my entire <laughs> exactly. body make no mistake i, I meant no I, disrespect I, I, no on there that. was
2: no no disrespect yeah. my my wife w- when it comes to choosing a restaurant that's where that is a problem but that's just choosing but when it comes to running the household she always makes the but right you know decision. this women's
3: day thing excuse me i've got two older sisters i've been married for Almost 38 years, I thought every day was Women's Day. I mean, silly me.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because definitely, there's no doubt that a thought-out decision, there's no doubt, 100%, that the majority of the decisions should be thought-out. But you know... Men will make a decision and they'll just stand by what it, what it
3: is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. We That's don't a, need to stop and ask for directions. It's just like yeah, I'll know. It's just
2: ask us a question. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> so I wasn't being mean to you at all. No, like not at all. Not myself. at all. I, I, I definitely respect
3: the first. Yeah,
2: and, I, and and you're you've produced some fantastic Yeah, we don't even workings. come close. So
3: rest assured, there's
2: no doubt. And uh respect everything that you've done. I mean, it's what you've done in this industry to sh- to lay down the grounds for future women distillers and will- women blenders and that type of thing it- it's like you've opened everybody's eyes
3: yeah there's and now we haven't even talked about 15 yet this that stuff is, is awesome
4: that's very kind of you but you know there's a lot of women before me and there'll be a lot of women after me
1: and um
4: you know so for
3: those of us yes. that are stupid
4: mm-hmm.
3: Where does the name Widow Jane come from? What's the story behind that? It
4: comes from upstate New York. It comes from um, the community where our mine is. There's actually a mine called Widow Jane. Um, We do not get our water out of the Widow Jane mine. We just get our name. It's local folklore, and we all know folklore is based on a truth. But she was a woman that was in um, a man named um, A.J. Snyder. He owned the mines where the water is right and where they mine the limestone out of and apparently as folklore goes he was a really horrible human being and, and there was this woman in his life who was very kind and very sweet and her name was widow jane and our nickname was
3: widow jane so um, was, was she a widow because she did away with the sob <laughs>
4: <laughs> there's lots of there's lots of funny stories right there's so you know like i said it's folklore so you can kind of take it and go wherever you want to but everyone up Upstate agrees she was a woman in this gentleman's life, um, but n- no one quite agrees on what, how, oh,
3: you what know, actually this. happened, what, what transpired sister, there. Okay.
4: Yeah. Sister, wife, mistress, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, stuff. Right. right? It-
3: you're right there with
2: uh, what Alan Bishop does down at the Spirit of French Lakes with all the the, the Indiana folk folklore that goes on. Yeah. I mean, it's just.
4: I helped Alan get started, too. I wrote his letter so he could be legitimate at Copper and Kings. And then when French Lick called and said, Lisa, do you know anybody? I called him again and he took the job there. Yeah. And,
2: and he's, 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 he's awesome just like you. <laughs> it's it's just like the good people always get together, right? And and then this industry, what I've what what I've everything that I've seen from large family distilleries to the the smaller little distilleries, everybody is willing to help everybody.
1: You know, and, and I've never seen
3: that. Everybody. And the, and the, the people in this industry, every person, man or woman. Are just nice. I, I, I have not met the first surly unpleasant individual yet. And I've worked in a lot of industries. I've worked in construction. I have worked I in in IT. I worked with a lot of judges and prosecutors and sheriff's deputies and the sheriffs themselves and everything. And and by and large, most of them are very good people to work with. But in the bourbon industry, I have not met one person who I would not want to work with, have a conversation with, who hasn't been helpful, who hasn't been understanding of you know my own ignorance to some of the questions I ask and that sort of thing. It's just a great, great group of people. It's 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 uh, unbelievable. That's my wife,
2: but I will just uh... <laughs> don't know. <laughs> She, my wife is a.
4: Talk to her. My
2: wife, my wife is a midwife, and she was off at a birth, and so she was on her way home, and she's probably thinking the podcast was over, but it's not.
1: Yeah,
4: it is. No, everything you're saying about the people, it's just been. I mean, I thought winemaking was great, lots of great winemakers, but no, I mean, everyone's so generous in this business. I can't wait till next week. The James BB institutes next week, and.
3: You know, and and the thing is, I I made reference to my back, my my father was Italian. I'm first generation Italian-American. I used to get mad when uh, he would tell me about my friends that he met for a minute. He'd say, this is somebody you want to stay away from or whatever. Of course, I've now inherited that ability. You know, I can look somebody up and down and decide what they're all about. And all that being said, everybody that I've met in this industry isn't somebody that, there's nobody that's given me a negative vibe of any kind. They're just some really great people. So,
2: James BB
3: Institute, go into that a little bit.
4: Um, it's next week, it's the University of Kentucky, it's the third year they've done it. I've been too busy in the last two years to be able to participate, but... Workshops, right? Vendors, workshops. Um, Monday's a uh, master distiller luncheon that's closed to the press and uh, closed to everyone. So that's really exciting for me. Um, Yeah. You know, so I'll be able to reconnect. I'll be able to meet people I haven't met before and be able to reconnect with some of the distillers that I admire.
2: So that's through the beam, what they set up at the unit. That's just the whole, the actual collegiate aspect of distilling, correct? Correct yeah i've seen that, initially yeah,
4: that's the yeah
2: yeah initially i saw when freddie was up there talking and everything setting that up it's like it, that that sounds fantastic especially if you're getting all the distillers together and and why the hell not it's like the the one thing and you have to agree with me because you can't disagree with me on this one particular point for there's no matter how much everybody makes, they they can't make enough. Yeah, yeah. And that that's why how many industries can you say that? Yeah, you, you know, can't say and that. I, and about, I've
3: told this story before. It's like when we were at Maker's Mark. I asked the lady they were talking about a new expression they were coming out. I said, "Don't you worry about you come out with this new expression. Don't you worry about it cannibalizing." your other product. And she says, no, she's the average bourbon drinker. It's like, he doesn't just buy this one or this yeah. one. He buys both. <laughs> yeah. It's not a problem. Yeah. Know, so, it's, it's unbelievable. So
2: you guys aren't all competing against each other. You know,
4: people ask me all the time about the competition. I'm said, and I said, no, no one can make enough whiskey right now. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. of, the, because of that aging process and doing it good. It, you, you, now if someone makes bad whiskey like you said it's it becomes obvious especially right now because there's because the average whiskey drinker is so much more educated exactly but they exactly. love the process so you fall in love with the process and then you fall in love with whiskey and that's
4: It's also as a producer too you know so even like this thing next week we're all still learning. And that's the other thing I love about it. I have not the people that I admire the most in the industry. No one's a know it all. They always have questions for you. I have questions for them. Right. And um, we're all getting better at what we do. You know, it's not like it got to a certain place and it's like, okay, well we know how to make whiskey now, so we're not going to change anything. Everybody's always curious on, you know, pushing the envelope and improving their equipment, improving their staffs improving their, you know, well,
2: even the big people.
4: Processes and, yeah, and so all of us, I and mean, even the big guys, everybody's getting better every day.
2: Well, you know, the, the big great. guys are looking at the little guys because <laughs> that's a market. Craft distilling is a market. And the craft distillers are trying to become bigger. So it just makes sense for everybody to get together. There's no doubt. Yeah, nothing. we're, well, we're a
4: few I... years behind beer because beer, you know, years ago – The big guys didn't pay any attention to the craft beer producers, right? And then all of a sudden, they took 11% market share, and everybody woke up. Well, yeah,
3: well, it's because they were more responsive to, like, what Jeff was saying, is you're dealing with a much more highly educated consumer base than you ever did. But I look at the craft beer makers similar to the automotive
2: industry that happened. It's like... When you're putting out where, where you've gotten to the point where the industry is just putting out a bunch of shit and then all of a sudden some people start looking at craft beer where they started to put out something better than a bunch of. I mean, how bad was Miller and, and Budweiser and Bud Light and, and Miller Light, which was dominating the market, which was just basically shit beer? And all of a sudden they started putting out these craft beers and that took part of the marketplace because people were sick and tired of just drinking water. But in the, in the, in the whiskey industry that happened in the (laughs) seventies, that was already, that's already done. It's like, and what, what made them all wake up was the vodka. The fact that vodka and tequila could just put whiskey in its place is ridiculous, right?
3: Certainly, it's, it's, vodka. I can understand tequila. Tequila, but, a good tequila is is like a good absinthe. It's rare and it's really well appreciated. Yeah, but
2: still, it's it's a mass. You drink it in in huge quantities with a lemon. You usually and salt. drink it.
3: Well, yeah, or you're drinking it in, yeah, a, in a margarita, drinking, of course. You're drinking to get And shit with the popularity faced. of Mexican food the last 25, 30 years, or longer, forty years, I should say. Uh, you know that's whiskey has driven its... the demand for te- tequila.
2: Yeah, but whiskey has its place in in drinking shots. It's there's there's three levels of whiskey shots, drinking just whiskey, and then appreciating whiskey and in a tasting capacity or relaxing. And you
3: you left out level four, getting through the twenty twenty shit show, <laughs> which we're all getting through. Correct, right? But we're still having PTSD from it. Now, are,
2: are you seeing uh, a bump in per, a bump in sales now that we're getting through everything?
4: We've bumped sales since for four years. We
2: never stopped.
4: <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Yes, yes.
3: great. That's yeah. great. Congratulations! And uh, so, going forward, that didn't happen by accident.
2: So we what's, know that. What, So. Last question:
3: What's it like
2: in New York right now? Is, are you guys unmasked or and working together? Are you still masked up and everything?
4: We're still, ma- we're still masked. Um, I'm masked because I, I choose. I, I like try to cut my odds. If I'm only around a couple of people, I was at Mount Vernon this weekend. You know, we're doing some tastings, and actually, my son lives in D.C. and is a whiskey guy too. And so he came out, and we were tasting through some of the George Washington barrels. In situations like that, you know, I'm not masked, but. Overall, because I taste and smell for a living. I can't go through what I went through before. I cannot lose my taste and smell. So I, from this day forward, I will always be masked on a plane you, during cold and Your season. son should Whoa. start
3: mom challenge coins. Who has the coolest mom? And he lays down <laughs> distiller. He wins a free drink every time. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay, I, I would admit to masking on a plane. Right.
2: I'm for that. But when you get to the distillery, you're in your tasting. You're not. We're
4: still, we're still masked right now because New York. You know, I don't know if you heard the rumblings in the last twenty four hours. There's another variant, and oh. um, the. You yeah, know, I
3: think the variant's called communism, but that's my own opinion.
4: <laughs> yeah, <sighs> but the the just, you know the distillery we're in New York, and people travel, and um, yeah, we you know New York's the first place to get whatever is happening in the rest of the world, right? And so we're still masked. I've talked to my team about it, whether they want to stay masked or whether they, um, you know, we want, want to drop them for a little bit and everybody universally, every last one of my people want to stay masked. And part of it is because in New York, you frequently live with lots of roommates or you live with your extended family. Um, You know, um, we've had, you know, a team member that lost a parent recently and, Mm. um, and The the person was young, you know, she would the the mother was young and, um, you know, so really, I think that early on, it was such shock here. It was so crazy, you know, with the temporary morgues in the middle of the street and the sirens going all the time that, um, you know, you mentioned PTSD. So everybody seems to want to stay
3: Yeah, yeah, we we didn't see that much of that here, but I know it's gone on and I know it's a very, very real disease. So I can understand why you would choose to be masked. I wore a mask, uh, you know, because it was kind of like even when I wasn't sure about it, it's always better to err on the side of caution. Yeah. You know, that's always better.
4: Yeah, my head bartender has toddler twins, you know, and they can't be vaccinated. I've
3: got a 93-year-old mother, so I wasn't yeah. in in the, you know, my goal was not to infect her, you know, so.
2: I, I went through the similar thing uh, last, uh, when I came back from Kentucky Bourbon Festival, it was two weeks later. I ended up having COVID, but I got symptoms that were pretty much took me apart mentally. So, after I, I started like two weeks after, I, I wasn't feeling good. And then on three or four days later, I lost my taste and smell. By fr- by the full, full week, taste and smell was gone. And then for the next two weeks, I ended up having the COVID... Um, toes where they were numb oh, and cold yeah. and and I couldn't sleep and, and mentally it took me apart way more than what I was
3: said. You didn't get your, your taste back till at least Thanksgiving. So I yeah,
2: think. so Octo- that happened in October and then November is when I started getting my taste and smell back and then right. I got it back for about a month and then uh, I, I've i been uh what happened is, for whatever reason, I ended up with thrush and a yeast problem. So I started taking medication for yeast, and that affected my taste and smell. So I'm finally in uh, March now, starting to get my full taste and smell right. back. And and like you said, you're sitting here on a whiskey podcast, and you're trying to do a whiskey podcast. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, let's talk about history. <laughs> We're not okay. talking about drinking whiskey, and, and, and tonight, uh, the 15 year that smells really delicious. <laughs> and so the same thing that you went through, it's it's something that you need, and you don't want to get it again. And and I understand, huh? especially you guys living in New York. That's why I asked about it because New York is a whole
3: different ball. Well, game. you're talking about a seething mass of humanity wherever you go. Yeah, and, where and, people live on top.
4: Right. we've dropped all the mask mandates here we dropped the you know the vaccine cards and everything but my staff anybody that's forward-facing is still choosing to wear a mask and, so and and, like well, and no, that isn't
2: that America that's what it yeah. should be if oh yeah you, you should absolutely do it, be you able to choose exactly and and i agree with that 100% so do I. you know if you Well do- and
4: what i've discovered on the plane too you know if you fall asleep, you don't have to worry about your mouth hanging open and drilling and, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on a plane, I totally... Like oh, it's yeah, camping, I, camping
3: with got to tell you a very quick story about planes. About 10 years ago, my wife and I, we had some tickets that we were flying standby. We were trying to get out to Vegas for a quick weekend. Vegas is like our go-to destination. We love Vegas. and um, Anyhow... It turned out that the plane we were wanting to get on, which was like a 6.05 flight or something just insanely early, there was only one available seat. So I told her to go ahead and go, that I would get there sooner or later. If I didn't get there by mid-afternoon, I would buy a ticket and, you know, a guaranteed ticket and get on. So anyhow, I started talking with uh, the the very nice attendant at the gate, and she said, I got something for you here. She goes, I've got a couple of drink coupons. You know, you can use those on any one of your flights or whatever. Great, thank you very much. So as it turns out, they come. I said, "When's the next flight that's not full?" She said, "Noon." So, as it turns out, the very next flight, which was supposed to leave like at seven fifty or eight oh five, I don't remember the time. Somebody didn't show up. All of a sudden, I'm called to the gate, and I got on with my standby ticket. And I thanked her very much for what she did for me. We sit down. (laughs) They come by with the cart because we have drink service now. It's like, oh, cool. You know, I'll have a, I'll have a double Jim Beams, you know. And it's like I'm not even looking at my watch. So I get my drink and I start sipping on it. I'm looking at the people beside me are kind of looking at me and they look away. And the people across the aisle are, are looking at me and they look away. And the, the people around the on the catacorned on the seat ahead of us across the aisle They're looking back at me. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? And then I looked at my watch. I realized it's seven forty in the morning, and I'm having a double Jim Beam's. It's like you know, you're a derelict win. Yeah, you know. (laughs)
4: That's hilarious. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So quickly
2: before we finish, go into the fifteen year.
3: I mean, this is spectacular.
4: There's 15, 16, 17, and eighteen years. The, the fifteen
3: year is exquisite. I've, I've, now, I've finished mine
2: already. Now, just so you know, uh, Super Nash is the one that sends me all the samples, so I'll have to talk Bourbon about 16, 17, mm-hmm. and eighteen with him. Yeah. So, yeah, he yeah,
4: been, I'm, I'm working on. I'm getting ready to work on another vault. So we did the barrel planning today, and I'm going. To, it'll be back, we're going to go backwards to fourteen year. Because my spread is even bigger. I have 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19-year-old
3: whiskey. Holy mackerel.
2: Wow. So when when can we be invited to the distillery to come? On? I mean, it's only 7 <laughs> Yeah, we
3: half. want to come I, to I, New York I, and podcast yeah, with you. Yeah, because I know have some fire. good Brooklyn pizza yeah. and wash it down with your bourbon.
2: Do you, um, speaking of pizza in Brooklyn, what is it, Fazio's? I don't know. De- DeFario. I'm... DeFario's. No? I don't know. What... No? It's the older guy. I, De-
4: I only live like a five-minute walk to La Cali's. Look up La Cali's. It's Cali's. like the best pizza restaurant yeah. in
3: York Then that's yeah. where we're going when we come to podcast with you. Yes. You yes. are going to be inviting to go us, go
1: right?
4: Get, they do not take reservations. You have to go get in line at 4 o'clock in the afternoon um, in hopes of getting a table at 8 p.m. Um, my chef's son-in-law knows enough people, and enough people have been to the restaurant in Bardstown. That last time they were here, we were able to pull off a six o'clock reservation. But um, yeah, it's it's, but it's worth it, you know. I've eaten there a handful of times now. We'll just
3: it, tell them we the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. We're going to be podcasting from yeah, your restaurant. Yeah, it will, will, That's all there is to it, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that would be just uh, that would be a hoot. That would be great. I, I just love
2: the Red Hook. District. There's no doubt about it. Uh, as you know,
4: it's, New York Times just published an article. Red Hook is everyone in New York's favorite neighborhood.
2: Yeah, yeah it, but at the same time, to be able to run a distillery out of Red Hook is a challenge what, in do itself. You, right? Do you
3: happen to know where Red Hook got its name from? I mean, that conjures up yes. a rather gruesome image.
4: No the 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 Dutch um the Dutch founded it and that it was actually red hook H O E K um and translated into red hook um because of the way that the gland juts out and actually, you know, like looks like a like a
3: hook, right?
1: I see. And
4: I don't know where the red came from. I don't know if there was a red tide or something. I have no idea. Probably a
3: red tide, yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the, it was settled by the Dutch, in fact. Where I am, you know, because I'm right next to the, not right next to the water, but I'm just a block away. Well,
3: well all of New York, I mean, New Amsterdam, it was all, what, Peter Stuyvesant, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, there was all windmills through here, you know,
3: and they built up all the windmills. Peter Menouet, Manhattan, and all that stuff. So there. where you live,
2: you don't have to take a ferry to, right? You're right there.
4: You right. Live right, I'm in there. right here, yeah, I'm right here. But yeah, the ferries are just like... Like right over there, so you can take a ferry to Wall Street for you know for two dollars and seventy five cents, you can come out
2: of. Well, my my daughter lived in Brooklyn, and she's like, "Let's we'll take the ferry to Manhattan, then we'll mm-hmm. take it to the Red Hook." And is she, I'm like, "Why are we doing this?" She's like, "One, it's cool, and two, it's faster."
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is.
2: Yeah. yeah. Then when we left, we took a taxi, and she proved it.
4: Yes. Yeah. Because I actually live at the entrance, really close to the entrance of the battery tunnel, you know. So mm-hmm. I should not be saying all this on here, right? Um, but yeah, I, I only live just over a mile from work. Okay. Nice. Wonderful. The Columbia Waterfront District. Yeah.
3: Great. You're right there on the Upper Bay. Yeah. You have all of New York at your
2: disposal, right?
4: I can see Lower Manhattan from my bedroom window. It's really lovely. Yeah. It's pretty.
2: Now, how how often do you are, do you have time to go to Manhattan?
4: Not as with COVID, I just don't go there very much anymore, right? You can right. see
3: the Statue of Liberty from your bedroom window, too, right?
4: Uh, the Statue of Liberty is a block. If you go a block and a half from the distillery, there's something called the Valentino Pier, and you have a completely unobstructed view of the Statue of Liberty. It's one of the few places that you get to look at her face. Because she faces the, right, she faces the water and she faces the entrance to the harbor. And, um, um, yeah, we have an amazing view of the Statue of Liberty. My
3: my father was seven years old when he came over from Italy. And he never knew his dad because his dad left when he was little to make money to send for his mom and his older sister. I've got a picture of their, their passport. And he says the thing that he remembers the most is when they came into the into the lower bay and then up into the upper bay, was seeing the Statue of Liberty, and he had a little sailor's cap wearing it, and he stood up on a stand or a table to get a look at the Statue of Liberty, and the wind blew his hat away, and it landed in the bay. You know, and uh, you know, that was funny. He came over in 1929. By 1939, he starred on a state championship football team, offense and defense. By nineteen forty nine, he was a combat veteran of World War Two and a college graduate and married. So in twenty years coming to this country, that's how his life changed. Wow. That's it's, remarkable. Yeah.
2: America,
4: right?
3: It's America, the greatest country ever. And we
4: keep yeah. and we keep... my dad my dad was a pilot in World War Two. Yeah.
3: Yeah, my dad was in the Navy. He was on a destroyer escort, and he, he was in the Atlantic and the Mediterranean and the Pacific. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Ex- excellent.
4: It yeah, it's yeah. There's New York is a very special place. I miss Bardstown every day, and then I get to Bardstown and miss New York every day.
3: <laughs> my dad said, of all the places he was been, he said the worst place you can go is New York. And the best place you can go is New York, is what he said. He said, if you knew where you were going and what you wanted to do, there was no place on the earth that you could party like New York City.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, you can be anything you want to be here. You know, it's really interesting. I meet all these people here in Brooklyn, and everybody's doing something insanely interesting.
3: You know, and my dad, dad, though, he had dropped his accent after coming here. After two years, he didn't have an accent, but he was still fluent in Italian. So obviously that helped him in places like New York, you know, because, you know, he had, there was no language barrier. Yeah, this
4: is a very, very, still a very Italian neighborhood that yeah. I live in right here. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, what I find about New York is there's, it's just like the young people. There's so much, there's so much going on for the young people. Oh, I'm, I
4: have to be the oldest woman down here. Yeah. Right,
2: right, right. And, and they, yeah. They they have they are unaffected by so much, but at the same time in New York it's just like it's all happening.
4: When I, when I run into a woman like my age on the street, we both give you know we give each other like a knowing smile, right? It's
2: like you should just give her a high five,
3: right? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, you um, just calculating what your age would be from what you've said versus how you look. Not trying to blow smoke up your backside or anything, but you don't look anywhere near your age, so.
4: Thank
3: you. Thank you. I have to agree.
4: Have I passed <laughs> the other side of 60? Yes, I have.
2: <laughs> but you but you do not look like you've passed the other side of 60. Thank you. You look fantastic and Thank you. you have been producing some fantastic uh,
3: whiskey. 60s the the, the new 40. It's
4: I 100%. hope so. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm counting on, you know, my mentor is well up into the 70s and he's still working. You know, Dave Sherrick, he's the gentleman that put Woodford Reserve back together. And, um, you know, he picks and chooses his projects now, but, you know, he calls and we talk about work, right? Does he's still working. And um,
2: you, you have to introduce me to him because does he have something to do with uh, Woodford Double Oaked?
4: Uh, no, he does not. But okay. he was with Woodford. He, he unshuttered Woodford. He and his, the, the, now the house that's across the street that's part of their visitor experience was that he and his wife built that home. Okay. And they spent the next, you know, gazillion years, like, living across the road, and he restored Woodford Reserve. Uh,
1: Which yeah, was whiskey the...
4: Advocate, whiskey Advocate Lifetime Achievement Award winner. And, yeah, you know, and he's an unsung hero, you know, in the industry. He knows everyone. He worked at Seagram's. He worked at Wild Turkey. Um, was at Woodford? Um, distilled with Lincoln Henderson and yeah, it's got more stories than um, he's always got a story. Right. But yeah, but we, you know, he calls and he talks about his projects and I talk about this project and and we still talk work all the time. Right. You know, and
2: well, you, you have to be associated with those people in the industry because they understand the industry where so much of the industry is sales and marketing. But at the same time, you still, if he didn't do what he did, it would have never, it would have, it wouldn't have held, right? Right? It's like, you have to produce some good damn whiskey to make it hold. And everybody is, you know, what, what, what's happened at Woodford Reserve and you go there and that's just like the whole visitor experience, the whole, uh, You know, overall, and usually they don't have a lot of the different Woodford Reserves, but it still makes you feel special. Right. (laughs) Now, once again, that you've put your distillery on the direction we want to go as Scotchy Bourbon Boys, because we definitely want to get there. There's no doubt about it. And
3: we have another expression to taste, and that's going to be my favorite, I'm sure, the maple infusion. So
2: let's just finish this off, and we'll do the maple infusion, right? Yes. Boy, you have a lot of different whiskeys,
1: don't you?
4: Before you, you know, before you taste to the decadence, the decadence, my goal with the decadence was to have a standalone whiskey blend and then barrel it. I'm not trying to cover up any bad whiskey. I'm not trying to, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, that was my goal to the point that my warehouse empty manager one. said to me a
3: couple I think of that was an
4: empty batches one. ago. He's like, are you sure you want to put this in these maple syrup barrels? Because he goes, at least, at least this is one of the best blends you've ever done. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, put it in the barrels.
2: <laughs> in my opinion you should have put it in there in in uh in, in exam- you you just- I,
3: I am holding my fire till i taste it i mean it may be good i may like it this is it we'll hold it up
4: but, yeah we can't keep it in stock like i said it is sold out across the country so we're trying to pull it together again but
2: how many
3: bottles
4: um, I do 20, 18 to 21 barrels. I, I can't remember how many bottles. Holy
3: mackerel. But... I, I I get the maple syrup smell. You get... Business. Which every now and then, believe it or not, in spite of all of that BS, about once every couple years, I get this weird hair up my backside that I got to have pancakes with maple syrup even oh, though I don't like it never I want that, that taste that's new that that's new but I mean I'm not a fan of it but sometimes I like so I smell maple syrup definitely I smell Mrs. Butter- Buttersworth why well, smell her syrup it's
4: not real maple syrup
2: <laughs> I know but it's still it's it's, it's, uh, it's leave your it's personal maple life out of it. with I mean, butter added in It's definitely corn. What is whiskey? It's corn, right? Right. And Mrs. Buttersworth is corn syrup. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's maple syrup. No, Mrs. Buttersworth is corn corn syrup. syrup. So it's
3: caro syrup is what you're saying.
2: Oh, yeah. Mrs. Buttersworth is not pure maple syrup. There's there's some. There's probably about 2%, right?
3: I was going to say one, but okay, Okay. I'll give you two. Okay, Lisa. It's damn
4: good whiskey, right?
3: It is fucking damn good whiskey.
4: (laughs) Holy shit!
3: It's really good, and I only use that because you said you swear like a sailor, so I figured it wouldn't bother you.
2: (laughs) That is delicious. I mean, there's no other way to... I, I you sent That is that. That's really good. I am honored that you sent me a it's, whole it's bottle It's not
3: an overpowering, tie your tongue in a knot, sickening sweet maple taste. It's a good balanced sweet taste from the from the tip of your tongue, all the way through to your back palate and onto the finish. That's really good. I really like it. Thank you
4: very much. Yeah, I'm glad I won you over. Yeah,
3: you did. I'm a convert the the nose
2: is spectacular
3: the nose is spectacular and the taste it, it's... it's whiskey yeah um, how many
2: barrels did you use to make this batch um
4: 18 to 21
2: what's the proof I... on this 91 and then it's where got a good finish you, for 91 what kind of maple syrup good barrels were they
4: crown maple syrup they're upstate new york um, and for years, they were using our barrels to age their maple syrup, and we just reversed the process. Okay, so, so
2: this is back and forth bourbon barrel aged maple syrup, uh-huh. maple syrup barrel.
3: <laughs> I, I get maple on the nose, but I would not have picked out maple on the taste. I pick out just a good, uniformly sweet. You should love this because you like sweeter stuff. I, this I is really this- good. I could pour this on my fucking French toast.
2: I could. Seriously. This is delicious. Thank you. Now, we, I opened this early in the week so mm-hmm. that it was, it was properly eliminated the, you know, the neck pour. And it has, in two, three days, opened up to be
4: fantastic. It was
2: good the first time, but it is fantastic.
3: What does this retail for a bottle, Lisa?
4: Um, I am the worst person to ask on pricing. I will have, you'll have to email me and I'll have to get back.
3: Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Are, is it over $100 or under? It's under. Okay. Under. Okay. Then it's it's worth it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So what's. And even if it's just slightly over 100 it's worth. That's a really yes. delicious bourbon. So
2: you're at 16, 17, 18, and nineteen year old.
4: In the in the decadence, much younger. Yeah, no, not
2: not the decadence, but overall, as far as Widow Jane.
4: Um. Yeah, Widow Jane. You know, anything. Everything I'm blending for all the products is between ten and nineteen years old. Wow.
3: That's yeah. Insane. Okay. So that that is so good. That is like a dessert bourbon. This is something you would have. After you've eaten a big meal and you want to sit back with some friends and a you're going to
2: chew the fat, steak and with some steak fries,
3: steak, some steak fries, of course, some, some shrimp, that some delicious. asparagus, some
2: spri- shrimp.
3: Okay, yeah, and, and, you know that would be good. Um, and then you've 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 downed all that, and now you're sitting back, this fat, is, dumb, and happy, and is, you're going to have some bourbon. His, That's the bourbon to have. His oh my is gone. god. It's, it's gone. gone. That's outstanding.
2: And and this is a man who doesn't like maple syrup.
3: Well, the That's bourbon fantastic. it's it's not it's not the sickening sweet that I remember of maple candy. It's not the bitey, so terrible sweet that I remember of Jack Daniels back in the day. No. Yeah, except except it's, just, it's, it's 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 this is just it's such a uniformly sweet. There's no wood. There's no bitterness, and it's it's from from tip of tongue to finish, it's that uniformly nice, pleasant, sweet taste. It's it's really delicious bourbon. So, last question: What have you been sipping on the whole night?
2: Wine, whiskey,
3: cabernet, right now. Elijah Craig.
2: Elijah Craig. Oh my god. So then, then talk about then that just the final aspect is you. You guys have been purchased by the the company no. that produces Elijah Craig. Is that is this just straight up small batch?
4: This yes, it is, and because it's funny because I didn't even remember that I had it in my cabinet here because you know most of my whiskeys in Kentucky. I, um, but this, the cabinet's full. The floors full. again. it doesn't matter where I live. It, you know, it's always full of whiskey. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I was doing a tasting the other night. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a bottle of Elijah Craig in my cabinet. And so I pulled it out, and you know, I made a pretty good done in it over a couple of nights. But, um, yeah. You know, Heaven Hill. Heaven Hill doesn't buy distilleries. They buy brands. They buy labels. And so we're really honored to be, um. You know, Pardon part of them. Of yeah, they're good people. They're good people, and I really have appreciated the conversations we've had so far, and I'm li- really looking forward to um, what's to come. But um, oh, all the
0: people!
4: I knew people were kicking the tires, you know, on occasion. I didn't know who it was, but then when I found that it was Heaven Hills, like oh my gosh, because I live so stinking close to them in Bardstown, right? And it's like of all the people that. Buy distilleries, right? It, it it just feel it's felt right since the second that I heard who it
2: was. And good deal. The one thing about Heaven Hill is one hundred percent they're business savvy with the ability to understand what good bourbon is. And They're I,
4: so solid. They're just so solid, you know? And I, yeah. Anyway, like I said, I've been over the moon ever since I found out.
2: So we look forward to what's going to happen because I honestly think uh, you're at the beginning of your journey. You have your, what would you say? Your baby. Widow Jane would be your baby, correct?
4: Widow Jane, there's just not another project like it. I have been offered other opportunities, you know, since I've been here and been on this project, I have never been so frustrated and so rewarded at the same time. Right. You know, there's been so many battles we've had to fight and things from the city and, uh, you know, you name it, we've had our things to do. And, um, but it's, there's something really addictive about it. Right. There's something about this project. That's just not like anything else. And, um, you know, when other people are starting to talk to you, like, but do you have this and you have this? Like, we have a cave. <laughs> exactly. A yeah. Do you have a cave? I know. Uh, and they always say no. And, um, no, I'm just joking, but yeah, it's, it's just such a remarkable pro- project and I've been really, you know, I think my boss recently, I said, thank you for taking a chance on me because they took a big chance, you know, hiring me to, to do this project. And, um, you know, I, <sighs> I don't think they yeah.
2: took a big chance on you. Re- seriously, I think they knew
3: what they were getting into.
2: Seriously, <laughs> I think they
4: knew what they were getting into. You one hundred percent. I they getting
3: into. I think, I think are, you're the real deal. Are
2: distilling because when you get the right distillers, and I've met a lot of them, mm-hmm. it's like it's not like you're ch- taking a chance on them. They just know. And you know, you you know your palate, you know what you're doing, and 100% uh, they are blessed for getting you opposed to you getting them. And, and I,
3: I agree. In- you know, any situation you're in, Lisa, no, you all you got to do me. is give anybody who's questioning your credentials a flight of 13, 14, 15, and decadence in yeah. that order. <laughs> And there, you know, and 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 there's there's two kinds of people on this earth, people that are gonna love it and liars.
2: <laughs> put it this way: you just converted a person who's not very happy with maple syrup. Put your bourbon in a maple doesn't syrup. Doesn't fucking
3: taste like maple syrup. I know it. Read doesn't. Read my lips. It doesn't. God, but you put it in a maple syrup
2: barrel and produced something that the person who doesn't like maple syrup.
3: He's enthralled likes. with
2: it. Think completely, about that. Yes. Think about that concept. It's it's just like it it is delicious, but you have to. Tr- All I can say is I met a lot of distillers, and just keep trusting yourself because you're right there.
3: Yep. Just remember, roses are red, violets are purple, <laughs> sugar is sweet, and so is maple syrup. <laughs> what
2: the? <laughs> 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 that's a big, that's seriously the best thing that xavier's ever done <laughs> that's
3: topics. the best i need to make this my last podcast oh my god <laughs> i'm speechless
2: right now but thank you for joining us oh my god um, thank you
3: for joining us and and we know like i like i say i've said this before to other distillers you don't have an evening that you're generally sitting around twiddling your thumbs and wondering, "Gee, what am I going to do?" And you chose to spend some time with us, and we 100%. greatly appreciate 100%. that. Yeah. We we really know that that's not easy to easily done, and we we, we so heartfelt appreciate that. Just so yeah. you know, Thank you. Yeah,
4: it's nice to see you guys again.
3: Yeah, great we look forward to, see to you. seeing you in New York again. We look forward to seeing you in Kentucky.
2: Yeah, yes. Are you, you're headed to Kentucky Bourbon Festival this year for one. Oh, yeah, that's,
4: the funny thing is, even before Heaven Hill, you know, Steve knew about Heaven Hill. He already asked me back for next year. So, you know, I give my daughter a hard time. I'm like, I'm already asked back. So,
2: yeah, do you have a booth this year?
4: No, we won't, I don't think so. I mean, it's too early for me to even know any of those no, things.
2: So I'll just talk to Randy and tell him 100% Widow Jane needs a booth there. Because there's no doubt, you guys need a booth there. There's yeah. one. I w- I will put my with this product. You definitely need a booth there. Yeah, yeah. you're you're killing it. Thank you. Just keep keep up the great work. Uh, we not that I don't uh, doubt that you will, but uh, nineteen. Uh, I'm gonna get on uh, Super Nash to fill in the blanks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Super Nash, a.k.a. Bourbon Claws. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's there's no doubt about it. So, all right. So, this has been a great podcast. That about
3: does it for the podcast. Lisa, hang around with us for the after podcast.
2: Yeah. So, once again, good bourbon equals good friends and, and good, good times. times. And remember, go out there and live your life dangerously.
1: Oh, show me, awesome. oh, oh show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask one. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask one. Oh, don't ask why For if we don't find the next whiskey bar I tell you we must die I tell you we must die I tell you, I tell you, I tell you we must die
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) Hey Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the art.